we're in our real life series. I would, I, I want to ask a question, but then I'm going to get about 90 different answers. So I'll, I'll go ahead here. Uh, I was going to ask you, what is even the purpose for what we're doing on Wednesday nights with real life? And here's what it is. It's to help you. And then it's also to help you to, to help others. Okay. And that, that's what this would be about. So tonight is going to help you. And then tonight is going to help you to help some others. I'm actually going to take a couple weeks on this idea. And I want to talk to you tonight, share with you from, from God's word about uh, crisis and process. Crisis and process. And uh, probably another subtitle I could give is how to avoid getting stuck or how to get unstuck if perhaps you are stuck. We first of all need to acknowledge, you need to be aware of this. You need to not be surprised that life is a continuous cycle of crisis and process. Okay? Now, I hope you don't have in your mindset that, well, if I just come to Jesus, everything will always be just swell. How many of you have found that everything is not always just swell? And everything, if everything is just swell with you, I'll have what you're having, okay? But it's probably illegal. Um, but the reality is, as long as we're on this planet, uh, traveling through this earth, there's going to be crisis and process. Thank God for the process part. Now, it will come at varying levels, varying, varying combinations, uh, you could have a toothache. That's crisis. What do you do? Well, we've got to begin some process. You got a tire that's low or flat. That's crisis. What do we do? Just fall down and cry. And no, we got to we got to process at some point. You get a bad doctor's report. Uh, you got a financial crisis or a, a relational crisis. Uh, you know, whatever it would be, you don't just stop at the crisis. You have to then begin to process. And I have to tell you that that is largely what the New Testament is about. And and we get the foundation for that out of Old Testament that, that we'll also be standing on tonight as well. Crisis should always lead to change. Crisis should always lead to change. Progress is usually preceded by crisis. You know, if you have a crisis that the, the dog got out again, um, and if you have a dog like most of the dogs I've had my whole life, they go deaf as soon as they get out the door. They get lost and lose their brain, and they just they go crazy, and they roll in weird, gross stuff. Y'all had a dog like that ever? (laughs) But, um, how'd I get there? Oh, well then you got to, if that happens every time you open the door, then you need to change something. You need to change something. You need to, before you open that door, put puppy somewhere. You, You know, crisis should always lead to change. 
should always lead to change. And most progress, and understand this for your life, don't just collapse and get sad because there would be a crisis in our nation, a crisis in your family, a crisis. Because you know what? If you handle it right, progress is usually preceded by crisis. You can, you can fix. I know some people that have turned their life around, their marriage around, their finances around because of a crisis. And as long as you just kind of lull along and there's not really a crisis, you know, it's not too bad, you probably won't change anything. I know some people that are in wonderful physical health today because they had a physical health crisis. And the doctor, their wife, their husband, whoever said, got to change, got to change. And so crisis should produce change. But let me tell you where the, the devil likes to get in the mix on this. Uh, there are so many, and there are too many, that come into crisis, which, who's going to come into some crisis? Go ahead and raise your hand. I mean, and I'm not, a, I'm not a doom and gloomer, okay? I'm a believer. We're overcomers. Y'all hear me? I'm going to overcome anything in Jesus. Y'all didn't hear me. We can overcome anything in Jesus. Well, I haven't. I'm not talking about you then, I guess, huh? No, I, I promise you that if, if we took a microphone, went around to everybody, ha, tell me what God has helped you to overcome and you to overcome and you to overcome and you to overcome and you to overcome. And you to, by the time we finished, anything would be on that list. Everything would be on that list. And God is not a respecter of persons. Amen. What the devil loves is to help you get into this crisis and then get stuck. Just get stuck. Let me, let me describe a few things. The enemy loves it when you get, it, as a result of crisis, you get stalled and then stuck. And then you just start to cope with it. And then eventually you will resign yourself to it, surrender to it, take the wheels off and put it up on blocks. Then the enemy will come and drain off your hope, your faith, your courage, then you will lose your joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And now you are weak and you will forfeit grace. You will forfeit peace. And one of the last symptoms is this, you no longer hunger for wisdom. And you know what? You get destroyed in this lifetime. And, and there's a lot of people, even here tonight, let's be real. A lot of people here tonight are at varying degrees in that digression that I, that I just lined out for you. We've got to make sure that we never view our, our current condition, our present pain, as a permanent fixture in our life. If you have something that does not match your point of hope, if you have something in your life that does not match your preferred future, if you have something in your life that does not match what God has promised and said that you could walk and have in. And listen to me, in this life, there's a lot of religion that, that limits. And, and I just wish they'd just read the whole book and not get stuck somewhere. That relegates so many things to heaven. That honestly, you won't need in heaven. Did you know you won't need healing in heaven? You won't need peace in heaven. You won't need grace in heaven. Y'all hear me? You don't need mercy in heaven. You won't, you won't need provision in heaven. 
You don't need any of those things in heaven. Those are, and this is a whole nother message, those are supplements from the homeland shipped in for us here. For believers who are citizens of the homeland who are, we're passing through. We participate and we're to be a blessing. We're aliens, but not weird aliens. Okay? We're here to make a difference. We represent a kingdom that is far above the kingdoms of men. And God sends in to his children what we need to move through this life. He has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. I'm preaching better than you're listening right there. Right there. Tell him. All right. Another concern I have that happens is sometimes we see whole families for generations stuck. And they don't know why. And that may be the case for a number of people here tonight. And, and let me just go through a little bit. People just resign themselves to this. We're, we're just regular folks. We're just nothing. We don't know nothing. Never had nothing. Never been anywhere. Never go anywhere. Don't, don't know nothing. Did I say that? Because we don't remember nothing either. <laughs> and just dumb it all down. I had never been anywhere and ain't going nowhere. And you need to get over that. And you need to break out of that little corral. Are you hearing me? That little cage that the enemy would love. And, and you say, but grandpa was that way. Dad was that way. I'm that way. My boys. Well, look at them. <laughs> Daryl, Daryl and their other brother, Larry, or whatever that was. All right, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 14. The Lord says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. I like that. And not of evil. Evil there has to do with adversity and affliction and calamity. And not of evil to give you, say that's me, a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. That's an important verse. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me, when you search for me with all, my, with all, all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Love it. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you. I'll come back to that in a moment, says the Lord. I mean, I said that, but I kept reading. I'll come back to that. Continuing reading now. Says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. In the Hebrew, and this gets real complex, and I, I am not, you know, a polished student of Hebrew, but I've got some wonderful resources to, to get in. There are some verbs that appear to be causative that are actually permissive. They give allowance for something. And sometimes people get the wrong idea reading in, from Scripture based in Hebrew, Old Testament. They can get the wrong idea about God. And so this would be a case in point where he says, 
Uh, I'll bring you back from all the places where I have driven you. How many of you know God could drive you? And I will bring you back from the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Well, that can throw us off a little bit. I thought God was our redeemer and the one who sets us free. And he caused us to be carried away captive. Could God cause us to be carried away captive? God can do whatever he wants to do. But he's limiting himself to his sovereign word here. And so those verbs there are actually, they appear to be causative the way they get translated. So that you feel like God caused you to be carried away captive. When in fact, it is permissive. Go back to the book of Job. And Job was confused the whole book because he couldn't read chapter 1. Y'all with me? Now, I got it at the end. But the whole time, he's trying to get an explanation. And really what he needed was an encounter. And you, many of you are living by this constant need for an explanation. Why is my life this way? Why is this this way? You know, I think we lose a whole lot of time figuring out the whys. That's like if... if you know, your house started on fire. I don't think you should go pace out in the driveway. I wonder how this happened. I wonder why my curtains are now on fire. I think you should get in there and do something about it. Okay. I think you should call somebody and do all that you can do. And some people are just so so stuck on the why of it all. But you need to know that God is not your problem. I want to say it loud and clear. God is not your problem. You have another problem. That's the devil. And you have another problem. You. How many of you would would admit that there's probably some problems you've had in life, and I ask you this from time to time, that are self-inflicted? A couple people had their hands up even before I finished the question. Self-inflicted. So, God will allow some things. And it's important in the kingdom of God that, you know, that we pass tests, that we learn things. And really, whenever, and this is a whole other message, uh, if you ever get truly disciplined, chastised by God, you need to know you're stubborn. Because he is so merciful and so patient. And he, he will give you time and time and warning And time and a little louder warning. So if you ever get to the place where, you know, it's coming down and you know God is is allowing some things or God is, you know, going ahead and taking care of it himself. Are you all hearing me? You're stubborn. And so we want to every day. God, if I'm off track, let me know loud and clear now. And stay before God and keep a broken heart and tender spirit about yourself, humble before God so that he can show that to you quickly. Are y'all with me? Okay. Whenever you are stuck, I believe this, there's always something that you don't know. If you're stuck, it's because you don't know something. And I'm not calling all of us ignorant tonight. It's just matter of fact. If, if you knew, then you wouldn't be you wouldn't be stuck. Here's just a few things you may not know. You may, if you're stuck, you're probably stuck. Here's the big one because you don't know what to do. 
You don't know what to do. You also might be stuck because you don't know how this happened. But I promise you, if you hang around a little bit, you'll probably find out why it happened. And I believe this also. Some people are stuck because they don't know, get this, that they don't have to stay stuck. Did you hear that? Some people are stuck because they, do, they don't know that they don't have to stay stuck. So we want to look at some of these things. Consequently, then, if you don't know what to do, and if you don't know how this happened, and if you don't know that you can actually get unstuck, then you tend to do the same thing again or quit altogether. And I want to help you tonight. And over the next few weeks to process out of that crisis. Are y'all ready to go on with this? Um, the key, and let, let me back up to this. The ultimate answer to problems, the ultimate answer to pain is a person, capital P. It's a person. It's God. And what we must do is call out to God. We've got to call out to God. And you go, well, I've already done that. Hang with me. Hang with me on this. Let me throw something at you for a moment. If you had all the power that you needed and you could do anything that you needed to do and no one could hinder you or stop you, then you wouldn't need God. I'm going to go over that again. If you had all the power that you needed, you could do anything that needed done and no one could hinder you or stop you. Y'all following on that? then you wouldn't need God. Here's my conclusion. You need God. And I need God. Because I don't have the power. You don't have the power. I, I, I can't do some things. You can't do some things. And there's a whole lot of things hindering us and stopping us. So you know what? We need God. So what we've got to do when crisis comes, and I do believe, and let me insert this, is not my subject tonight. I believe there's so much crisis that could be averted. If you walk in wisdom, walk in light, there's so much that walk in truth, as Alicia shared, there's so much that you would, you would avoid. And, and I believe that's the message of, of scripture as well. But when you find yourself at a point of crisis, a point of need, you need to reach out to God. You need to read out, reach out to God. And as I said earlier, uh, it's not an explanation that you need. It's a person that you need. It's an encounter that you need with God. You need to reach out to God. Let me add this in. Needing God is no more a a crutch or just something for weak people. It's no more that than our need for air and water and food. We're made, we're designed to reach outside of ourselves for what we need. It's new age. It's wrong philosophy and religion that tells you you have everything you need in you. Because their thing, and you didn't know that till somebody outside of you told you that, and they told you wrong. You need air, you need water, you need food, you need learning, you need love. All these things come from outside. You are actually designed to hunger for things that are outside of you, and they connect you with God, and they connect you with other people, and they connect you with the world around you. Done in the right way, they connect you in healthy, life-giving ways. Are, are you following that? And so religion is not a crutch. Uh, it's not something for weak people. Um, 
Christianity and believing God, that's not for the weak. You're designed for that. Eternity is written in the hearts of men. There's something in you that's crying for something that's outside of you that you need, that I need. You need God. And if you're in crisis tonight or you run into one real soon, you need God. And you need to reach out to God. Now, let me share a couple things here tonight that will get us going um, on this. The first thing is you must believe. You must believe that there is a way. See, if you're stuck and if you resign to that, you don't believe there's a way. So let's say that this is your point of crisis. I pray, my prayer for you is that you would also have a point of hope. Because when you're in this point of crisis, if you don't have a point of of hope, you, you have no vision to go anywhere else. And you resign just down into your crisis. I'm broken. Family's broken. We're broke. This, that. We're stuck. You need to have a point of hope. This hope. Take the time to frame that. Because Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So hope gives faith something to work on. Something to build. Hope is the architect. Faith is the builder. There's got to be a picture of a preferred hope. And it's not wishing. Okay? We're in a broken place here. We're in a, we're in a hurt place here. You've got to have a point of hope. A preferred future. And this is the first thing you've got to believe. Are y'all, are y'all there? You've got to believe that there is a way to there. You've got to believe that there is a way to there. The second thing you've got to believe is this, that God will meet you here. You've got to believe that God will meet you here. I think most people that are stuck don't believe that God will come where they are. They're still thinking, I got to get somewhere where God is. And you, and you need to grow and you need to walk in God and all of those things. But you need to understand this is the awesome thing about our holy God who dwells above all. He's chosen to come down to those that are broken. Jesus came to seek and save those that are all polished and got it together. No, Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost. He didn't come for the well. The the well don't need a doctor. Jesus came to meet you here and you've got to believe this. This is huge in my heart. You've got to believe that there's a way from your from your crisis to a point of hope, and you've got to believe that God will meet you where you are at. Religion will drive you to, I've got to somewhere, I've got to somehow get to where God is. So you start using God language and come to a God address and all of that. And you need to know, no, 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 no. It's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the love of God that he will come to where you are. Let me just ask you real quick. Has anybody been in a real broken spot and God came to where you were? He'll meet you at that place. So you've got to believe there's a way. You've got to believe that God will meet you at this place. And you've got to believe that it is God that will make this way. Matter of fact, God is not just a way maker. Jesus is the way. He is the way. Now listen. 
This is not just believing in God. The demons do that. This is really trusting God. If you went to a doctor for a situation you had and you, and you really trust the doctor, then you're going to follow his advice. You're going to follow his orders. How many of you heard that before, doctor's orders? I've asked the doctor every time I go, will you write me a note, doctor's orders, get a nap every day? <laughs> I won't do it. Sue him, malpractice. No. Uh, but the, you've got to follow the, the doctor's advice, follow the doctor's orders so you can get well. Well, the same is true with God. You've got to follow his advice. You've got to follow his orders. Look at me. So you can get well. Amen. So you can get better. So you can get over to this point of hope that God would have for you. Now, God will only do his part. He won't do your part. And as we go through this, we're going to see you're going to have a part to play. There's some people say, well, I need my crisis is I need a job. Well, there's some things you need to do. There's some things that you do. And I like to say it this way. Uh, I forgot how I say it. Um, You can't do what. God can do and God won't do what you're supposed to do. It's something like that. Okay. Now let me move on a couple other things real quick. Psalm 145. Psalm 145 verse 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. Could we all read that? together. Psalm 145, verse 18 and 19. Read it with me. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. Let me read you another passage here in Matthew 5, 3. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We looked at this just a month or so ago. And the Message Bible says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. Well, to be poor in spirit is actually, I don't have the resources. I don't have the power. I don't have what it takes to fix this. That's poor in spirit. And then you come humbly and dependent to God. And He said, you're blessed. And the kingdom will be yours. Which means the resources of the kingdom will come to you. I want, I want you to get this. When you and I come to God and ask for help, get this now. When you and I come to God and ask for help, we instantly, say instantly, we instantly transcend our limitations and resources. And God has unlimited resources and he has no limitations. So why would I stay down here with my limited resources and my limitations and try to handle that? Your answer, friends, and listen, you know, well, I'm, I'm looking for something better, bigger. There is nothing better, bigger. Amen. And don't make this hard. You need God. I need God. We need to call out to God. We need to be poor in spirit in this sense. That God, I don't have what it takes and I need you. Amen. I don't know what to do and I need you. And when you call out to God, you instantly transcend. You come way above that. 
You leave your limitations and resources lack of behind. And now you have access to him who has unlimited resources and no limitations. Think about that one. Think about that one. Now, let me just kind of start to wrap this up tonight. You must believe that there is a way. And some of you tonight are saying, Lord, help my unbelief. That's okay. That's okay, because he'll help you with that too. You've got to believe that in crisis, I can process from here. And whatever that would be, I can process from here. You've got to believe that there's a way from here to here. I want you to start focusing on here instead of focusing here. Did you, did you hear? Did you hear about my situation? Did you hear how bad this is? You know, and you get all focused in on that. Now, you need to spend some time and start thinking about that point of hope. You need to get into the light of God's word. You need to check some things out in the catalog regarding your situation. And then you need to believe that there's a way to hear. You need to believe, secondly, that God will meet you where you are. And you need to believe that he will make the way, that he will be the way for you. Reach out and call out to God. And you say, Pastor, I have. Well, I would just tell you this. Reload, reset, and try it some more. Let me read you just, I'm going to read you about 10 scriptures in just a moment. Psalm 3, verse 4. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. Psalm 18, verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and, and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. Psalm 30, verse 2. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 107, verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. Verse 13, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Psalm 120, verse 1, in my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Now, let me just hit a couple things real quick. Whoever's going to help me here. Hey, man, you did awesome tonight. Just want to tell you that. couple things, because you say, Pastor, I've cried out to God before. I've cried out to God before in my distress. Well, you may be blocking a few things. I, I did a series a few years back called Don't Block Your Blessings. How many of you know that you, you potentially could? Here's one way that you do, and I kind of bumped into it just a moment ago. Stop narrating life. If I've called upon God to help me, stop narrating life. Stop talking about this broken thing just over and over and making that your focus. I heard years ago, never make your problem the biggest thing in your life. Make God the biggest thing in your life. So stop narrating life. Some people just go from one thing to another. Look how bad that is. Look how bad this is. Do you know how bad I feel? Did you hear what happened to me? And we just go, go on and on with this. And then you say, but pastor, I cried out to the Lord. Yeah, and I think he just you know, you're going to get a letter back, return to sender. <laughs> Not really. But you kind of negate. 
Second thing would be this, and this is just huge in my life and in, in my heart and for our church right now. You must make your first focus up. And it ties in the same way. You, just, you must make your first focus up. And I got one other thing I'll share with you here too. Expect God to act. I tell people all the time, watch what God will do. You know, and you might be in a situation right now, but I believe in this. I believe that God will help you from your crisis to the point of hope. I believe that he'll help you in that. And it takes God and it takes time. And I tell people this all all the time. We're in this right now, but we won't always be in this right now. And we're going to call out to God. And before you know it, I, I take pleasure in telling, and, and probably in the last two, three weeks, I know I've told about five people in some tough, tough st- stuff, this. And already things are moving along for them. Not because I said that, it's because God is one who makes a way. But I tell them, this is where we are right now, but this is not where we're staying. And we're calling out to God and God will help and God will make a way. I want you to expect God to act. Look for God to act. And then I love telling people this. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. And before you know it, before you know it, you're going to be a few weeks, few months, few days, few years, whatever, down the road. And you're going to be looking back. And you know what you have? Hey, remember the time? Remember when we went? Remember when? Wasn't God awesome in that? And here's a way to really rub the devil's face in it. Let's process out of the crisis with the help of God, God making it. Making it happen for you. And then you're going to arrive at a place where God then can use you with somebody who's in that crisis. And you can say, hey, sweetheart, hey, buddy, listen to me. And you're able to comfort others with the same comfort that you yourself have been comforted with by God. Amen. Tonight, tomorrow, you're going to have crisis all over the place. Little things, your Pop-Tart's going to get burned. You know what? what? Big things, whatever. Don't, listen, don't get stuck. And I just, I, I would just want to say this because I love this. And keep your first focus up. Amen. We'll continue on this next week. Do you get anything at all out of this tonight?